you're like, ah. so when I so when I was when I was married, uh, believe it or not, I didn't know my own wedding anniversary. That doesn't surprise me, actually. I mean, re- I mean, right? I mean, guys get husbands get in trouble for that. So I used to keep it in my phone, and uh, and it wasn't that there was no love or I didn't care. Is that that's just the kind of person I am? I mean, I don't give like a lot of credence to uh, birthdays. It's not as like important. Yeah, I like. <laughs> every day is our anniversary. I would say that I get in so much trouble. <laughs> fantastic and i never felt as good as how i do right now except for maybe when i think about i felt that day when i felt the way that i do right now right now i feel fantastic and i never felt as good as how i do right now except for maybe when i think about i felt that day when i felt the way that i do right now right now right now all right so welcome to mental health moment i'm emily and uh, my co-host, Laura, she is still out of the country. She's cavorting around Europe, um, hanging out in Monte Carlo, I think. Um, with me tonight are two amazing guests, um, and I'll let them introduce themselves. One is, well, I'm going to introduce her a little bit. One's my sister, and she and I sound really alike, so I hope you guys can tell us apart as we talk tonight. But anyway, so who wants to go first? Introduce yourselves. Well, my name is Felix. Felix Salazar, um, and I am, uh, my wife uh, died by suicide, um, February 20th of 2012, and uh, I'm here to be able to give whatever information and help I can. And I'm Jenny. I'm Emily's sister. And she's also a social worker. Um, she's right now working full-time doing the mom gig, um, so I think that's social worker pretty much 24-7. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, like Felix said, uh, his wife died by suicide about five years ago. It was five, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, and this is a topic, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, if you are feeling suicidal, you know, here's things you can do. Um, but I don't think a lot of thought is really given to the family members or the friends, the survivors of the person's suicide. And so I thought it would be really good for Felix to share just a little bit of his journey and then just kind of see, you know, how this journey kind of evolved for him. So um, tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, my wife, uh, Paola, um, she suffered from mental illness. Uh, she was bipolar, but um, suffered more from the depression. Um, she was a great lady, smart. Um, she received her uh, bachelor's from uh, Weber State, and, and a, a great mom person. Um, you know, I can't say enough about how good of a person she was, but she struggled with mental illness. Um, and so, to get to the crux of the whole thing is. Um, Shortly after our son was born, she suffered from uh, postpartum, and at that point, everything was kind of downhill for us, um, and the struggle really, uh, really began at that point. Um, it had been a lifelong struggle for her, but I think um, the postpartum really kind of took hold and really kind of sent her on that spiral. So it kind of comp- compounded everything, yeah, and just yes. was like, nope. Yes. Um, her mom uh, is... Um, and there might be some genetics in there. Her mom was uh, bipolar also. Mm-hmm. And so uh, her mom suffered from that. Um, we tried different treatments. Um, you know, the therapy, medication. You know, she 
amount of medication she took, it looked like she was taking Skittles on a daily basis. Mm. Um, some of them helped. Some of them gave her some uh, side effects that you know affected um, how she lived her life. Um, we did the um, is it EC, the e, ECT? No, ECT. Mm-hmm. We did the that. Shock. Yeah, and uh, she was prescribed to go. I think it was like twelve sessions. But um, she stopped after six, um, and it made her actually more depressed because she was forgetting a lot of dates. Um, uh, couldn't remember when we were married, um, the birth of our child. So it kind of even set her back. Uh, and so, so these prescribed therapies that that were really they were hoping would bring her out of it just made everything worse. Yeah, yeah, it did help. The medication. Um, I guess, if anything, maybe stabilized her enough to be able to think that, okay, you know, I'm, I'm labeled. I'm, you know, I am, you know, I am whatever the label is, you know, I'm crazy, I'm weird, I'm a kook, whatever, uh, which actually she wasn't. I mean, I, I never feared for my life. I never feared for my son. And there was none of that, you know, um, she was a really, really, really good person. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, she had medications didn't help. Uh, therapy um, didn't help. Um, yeah, you know, so it was a, it was a big roller coaster, a big roller coaster mm-hmm. for both of you. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so um, and then February twentieth was when I had actually found her. Uh, we were actually having it was affecting our relationship, my inability to kind of even though I had been working in the mental health field, uh, when you're dealing with somebody that is a loved one, everything that you know. Goes out the you don't know anything, <laughs> you yes. know. I don't know if you guys experienced that, but you think, hey, you know, I've worked fifteen years for this company and I am a certified restraints or whatever. You know, I work with juveniles and and you really mentally ill juveniles. Yeah, too. but when it came to home, all of this knowledge and education that I had about people with mental illness, I was I drew a blank. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I couldn't help her. You know, so I was uh, I was ignorant on that. Um, but on February twentieth, she took her life. She took basically um, she had a new prescription for all her pills. Uh, she had gone to the doctor and they had refilled um, all her medication. And um, yeah, she took. And she was only four nine, four nine and three quarters. Petite. Petite, and so you can only imagine what taking. You know, handfuls and handfuls of her medication, what it did for her, you know. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so I found her in the morning at her apartment, and um, it kind of, it was it was a surreal experience. I mean, I don't know. It, it was weird. It was different. Uh, I never knew you could feel so numb. Mm-hmm. Um, I never knew, yeah, I never knew you could feel so numb. And I didn't know you could feel even worse than that, uh, being that we had a child. We had two kids. Um, my oldest son was, what, 22 at the time. And then my little boy was eight, eight and a half. And then as a parent, having to tell them that Mm. was another, was another, uh, punch, you know, in the gut. Um, how did you tell them? Um, at the time, my nature was to run away from things, you know, and book it, deny it, close your eyes, plug your ears, and get away. Um, but um, I surrounded myself with my family, my brother, his wife, my nephews, and um, 
sat him on my lap, and the words came out, Mom's gone. And um, at first, when he asked how, I wasn't very honest with him, and I, I, I lied to him. I didn't tell him that you know she committed suicide. She had died by suicide. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't do that. Um, mm-hmm. But when I did tell him that his mom was gone, wow! I, I felt just everything ripped up from inside of me. You know, um, if you could feel your soul escape, I mean, really, I mean, it was. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I, I really, really wouldn't. It was alone, dark, and I'm surrounded by family too. You know, so, mm-hmm. so it was. It was so, 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 so odd. So odd. Um, so yeah. So I basically just came out and said, you know, your mom's gone. This is what happened, and you know, to feel what your what your children, their pain, and not be able to do something for the first time ever in your life. Wow. And so that was that was that that was one of my struggles, you know, at that time. And yeah. and and as time has gone on, it's gotten a lot better. But you know, as parents, as you guys probably know, you know, you try to protect your kids as much as you can and shield them. And there's a lot that you can keep away from them. But with something like this, there was nothing I could do. I felt so helpless. Um, and the only thing we could do was cry. That was it. Yeah. And I held him, and he cried, and I cried, and. It was just a lot of tears. Yeah. yeah. Sounds absolutely just, I can't think of the right words, but gut-wrenching. I mean, just... Yeah, if that's... Yeah, we need to make up some words for right. what it is. Yeah, I mean, gut-wrenching is... Yeah. Um, I really felt like I was being drained from inside. I mean, uh-huh. you know, I can try to give you all these words, but I just felt like I was something was just... I even thought that maybe I was dying. That's how it felt. Uh, and then when you have your, your kids, um, your instinct as a parent is to protect and to worry. And it just, that adds to the whole situation, you know, the whole experience. Yeah. Well, and with an eight-year-old trying to explain, you know, there's where you don't know why she did it. I mean, you do, but you don't. Yeah. You know, and, and having, trying to help him understand Oh, she really did love you. It had nothing to do with that. She wanted to be here for you, but this is what, you know. I mean, I just think it would be so confusing to have to kind of go through all the motions with that, as well as trying to figure it out for yourself, but figuring it out for your kid as well. It it is. I mean, for the longest time, we lied to him about what was wrong with mom, and we just said she had headaches. Mm -hmm. Um she would occasionally would suffer from migraines, which is sometimes, you know, it happens when you're depressed or have mental illness. You get these migraines, you know. But we really amped it up and said, you know, mom um, suffered from, you know, her headaches and took a little bit more medicine that she needed. And so he thought it was from that. And it wasn't until a year and a half, two years later that I told him. And, you know, he was pretty upset with me. He said, why didn't you tell me? Now I have to start all over again. Huh. Smart kid. I mean, really, you have to regrieve. Really smart kid. Um, which meant I also needed to regrieve over again, also, because now I'm telling my son the truth, and uh, and so I think those are all these complications that, when unfortunately people choose uh, suicide, a lot of times people don't think, you know, what what's the ramifications? How's this going to affect, you know, the people I leave behind? You know, um, not. I don't know. Not that it's 
their concern at the time because they're really feeling they're really worried about themselves and how they can make it through the day. Yeah. But um, it's been it's been a chore. There's a lot of little, you know, you're talking about a lot of collateral damage that happens when, when somebody chooses that. Yeah, and I think along with that. Um, and I want to get your opinion on this uh, for both of you, but it it seems that, and I don't know if it's just kind of culturally here or um, whatnot, but when somebody passes away by completing suicide, um, there's different expectations from people about how you should grieve. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, well, what were you saying earlier, Jenny? Like if someone passes away from cancer, there's just this... Oh, that's so awful. They had to battle this disease. And mental health is not looked at the same way. Where it needs, like, I mean, it needs as much attention. It needs treatment just like cancer needs treatment. If someone dies by suicide, it's like all hush-hush. You don't talk about it. Um, That was their own choice. They took their own life. So you don't really feel that bad for the family. But you should because... That's a huge loss for them. I mean, that's not something that... And it's usually a tragic and horrific type of yeah. loss, too. Yeah, like finding someone is not... <laughs> With cancer and things like that, you're kind of expecting it. You're waiting for mm-hmm. it. With suicide, it's, it happens and you're, you have no idea what to do. Um, did you find that in kind of your grieving process or your journey? Was there some... Yeah, you... was it? You know, um, I had met some people that had said, okay, after 30 days, you got to be over it. Four months, you need to be over it. And here I am bawling, you know. Um, I knew every church parking lot, thank God, because I would pull off and just wail, just, you know, it would just be uncontrollable. And so people are telling me, you need to be over it. And so I'm thinking, I need to be over it. But I can't help. There was this part of me that said, I, I'm, but I'm trying to, but I just can't. You know, and I'm like, am I over-dramatizing this thing? Is this just not as big as what I'm making it? And I'm, you know, so I had that. I had, you know, people that would tell me, you got to be over it. you got to get over it. It's, your kid needs you. And, and uh, there's, there's uh, light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, all those things that you hear. Um but I'm like, and I would sit here and I'd think, and I'm like, it's only been 30 days. It's only been 60 days. It's only been three months. Mm-hmm. And I'm supposed to be over it. <clears throat> and then um, and then I uh, joined a, a support group. Um, About how, how long after um, her passing did you join the support group? Um... Probably about three months, three and a half, four months. Um, and so you're talking about three and a half, four months of emotions just going haywire. I mean, I don't even say roller coaster. I mean, there was just, it was, it was, you know, my emotions and mental state was in the state of complete anarchy. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> there was. That's a great description. Yeah, anarchy. Um, I had. Said it here. <laughs> I, you know, because I was so used to being, you know, and I, I think at the time when in, in dealing with her illness, I thought that I was Superman. I was, didn't show any emotion, didn't share. Um, people at work didn't even know what I was going through. 
Mm. You know, so during the time that we worked together, I mean, I don't think she, she knew very little, if anything, uh, that of what I would go at home, that I wasn't sleeping. I'd stay up at night to make sure she was breathing, make sure my kids were breathing, um, you know, uh, drinking a lot, you know, to be able to cope. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I myself was also setting myself up for, you know, I was becoming ill, emotionally ill, uh, physically ill. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never told anybody anything, anything other than what little seeped out. And so I thought I was Superman. Had a cape. I can deal with everything on my own. And, um, you know, when that time came, and I even thought that even when I found her. I'm like, I got this. I didn't even cry when I found her, actually. Uh, I sat there. I tried to cry. I tried to push it out. I'm like, I'm going to cry. But uh, people said I was probably in shock, which is probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't cry until um, I had to tell my kids. And, and I'm glad, I'm, I really feel blessed that, that I was blessed with children to be able to start that part of the journey with them, to be able to become vulnerable. Dad had to become vulnerable. You got, you got kids. Yeah. So that helped. If not, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd be where I'm at right now. I think sometimes kids bring up honesty and, you know, children are incredible. They... They they give you the truth of what it really is, you know. Whether blue you want is blue, it or not. exactly. <laughs> blue is blue. You're tall. You're short. You're heavy or you're thin. They tell you, yeah. you know. And um, you know when you've got these little eyes looking at you, what's wrong with mom? You got to tell them. Yeah. So um, yeah, emotions were in complete anarchy instead of anarchy, and uh, I, but I joined a group uh, and. Um, I remember a lady telling me, um, just baby steps, baby steps. You don't have to mimic anybody's way of grieving. You can still be grieving seven years later. Um, just baby steps. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's no recipe for how to grieve. You just have to do it. Yeah. And I think that's, that's so key because I, you know, like you said, people are trying to give you advice all along the way. Like you need to get over it or come on, it's been a long time. Like, why aren't you done? You still got to function. And so, you know, when, when I work with people in, in my office who have, who have suffered a loss, whether it be, um, you know, I have some people I'm working with whose family members have committed suicide. Um, and then other losses, it's, it's this, when I tell them, you know, there's no right way to grieve. And a lot of times they look at me and they're like, I kind of want to punch you. And I'm like, I get it. Like, but it, because I think grieving can be so scary and overwhelming, yeah. especially when you first start that process. You know, I, I was naturally a closed person, a very typical man, a very typical Hispanic man at that, if you want to say, you know, I was very, don't show emotion, be tough, be rough, you know, mm-hmm. had the big Superman on my chest and, you know, nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. Um, but then, um, the minute that I told my kids, uh, I get, you know, I had made a commitment. I just needed to be vulnerable. I go, I'm done. I yeah. can't, um, I'm, I'm tired of being, um, not feeling, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and for so long, you know, we were together for 20 years. Um, you know, and 10 of those were with, you know, when the illness was at its peak, um, 
it was me just completely shut down. And, and, and that was one of the big issues that we had was you don't express anything, you don't talk. And it was true. But then I was trying to deal, you know, I was trying to keep the ship together at home. Yeah. You know, and so it was either be vulnerable and not be able to help or be strong and have, you know, your wife have somebody that can lean on because she needs you. And so I chose the latter. Yeah. So, you know, I was at the same time my own worst enemy. <laughs> um, In a very tough position, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, there there are those two sides. I mean, you know, you want to be this committed, open person in your relationship. But when the other person isn't in a mental state where they're able to be okay with that vulnerability, it, it does put people in a difficult position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it was interesting. I was talking to my friend the other day just about this podcast and, and her dad had committed suicide and, um, had completed suicide. And, and she said, you know, a support group was so helpful for her because anytime before she talk about her story, she's like, I always won worst story in the room. She's like, and then I went to the support group and she's like, everybody's got the worst story. Yeah. That's true. I went through that. I thought I was the only one. And then all of a sudden there's seven or eight or nine people that have the same story that I do, Mm -hmm. but it's 10 times worse. And I'm like, my gosh, I'll go through my experience 10 times. I could only imagine what they went through, Mm -hmm. you know, and the the different ways that they happen. And so I, I felt blessed that, you know, my experience was my experience and it wasn't how all these other people went through it. There's, you know, it's horrendous what some of these people have gone through. Yeah. Uh, and it's very sad. Um, and so, um, and being in these support groups, I learned that I was very normal. There was some normalcy came to the situation. I'm like, okay, this is, this stuff happens. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people that make it out, you know, the survivors such as myself. Um, it's a tough road, but we make it. And, um, so that was a big, big, big help. Um, and these were just complete strangers, you know, it was a, yeah. uh, online support group and, um, I've met a lot of these people, um, in person and it's nice. It was great because then I was able to throw things at them, you know, at the four month mark, at the five month mark, at the six month mark and tell them things. And I didn't feel alone. Um, and they got it. And they got it. And that's the big thing where, you know, you just can't tell anybody because they just don't get it. You know, in quotes, don't get it. You know, they you, you can't tell family because they don't get it. Um, you can't tell, you know, um, your kids, you know, you, I mean, you can't tell, you know, a brother or whatever. They, they just don't get it. You, mm-hmm. you have, it. Somebody has to go through and say, you know, I was in something similar then you can make those little connections and they're like, Oh, so this is normal. Yes. What you're feeling is normal. Mm -hmm. Oh, you used to pull over into church parking lots and cry. Normal. It is normal. Cause I know every church in the neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. I got really good at finding them and, um, you know, not being able to sleep. I'm like, yeah, I can't sleep. Am I okay? Normal. Mm. I got to sleep with the light on. Something's wrong with me. Do I need therapy? Well, if you need to go, sure, but understand that it's okay. It's normal. You know, this lady used to sleep with all of her lights on. Um, House was lit up. Yes, yes. And she said she had a huge spike in her electrical bill for, <laughs> for about six months. <laughs> yeah. and um, But yeah, that, it normalized my, my, my feelings, actually. That's what mm-hmm. it did. It didn't normalize suicide, but it normalized my feelings to say... 
Okay, grieving is part of it. You know, you've got to grieve. You've got to feel it. It's part of growing. Um, they're the growing pains, I guess, you know, of, yeah. of going through life. And uh, you can't deny grief. I love that. You can't deny grief. Um, and I think, you know, as much as people try to deny grief, grief is a jerk and it will come. Yeah. And it will make sure it shows up. Yeah. If it, if it doesn't show up, you know, 24 hours after the event, it will show up 24 years later. If mm. you deny it, it's there and it's just waiting. So for those maybe in similar situations, um, or, kind of on this journey as well uh what would you want them to know maybe who haven't gone to a support group or who are kind of newer and just completely overwhelmed you know what i would say just from my experience is um be vulnerable and cry cry I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know what kind of definite, you know, I don't know any more than just telling them that. Just cry. Yeah. Give it whatever meaning you need to at the time. You know, cry that you experience that. Cry that, um, you know, if you have children, they won't see your children grow up. Cry that your dreams of what you had planned are going to ever happen again. Cry, 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 cry. Um, and... Um, and feel you, you have to feel you've got to feel that sadness you've got to feel the depression you've got to feel hopeless you've got to feel like you're dying um, feel it don't run away from it don't hide from it don't just go through it the same way like when things are really happy you, you know you yeah. you don't want it to end and you know, we take pictures or we journal or we do whatever to re to hold on to that feeling of, of a wedding, of a baptism, of a of child's birth, of, of success. We do whatever we can to hold on to that. And it might sound kind of odd, but even with grieving, I think you need to hold on to those things and just really feel it. Um, because there's a lot of, I, I found that there was a lot of beauty in those tears and in that anger and all of that, I found a lot of it, uh, but it took a lot of tears. It took a lot of, you know, clenched fists. It took a lot of, uh, you know, down on my knees, wailing and hitting the floor. It, it, um, but I, saw, I found a lot of beauty. There was a lot of beautiful stuff that ended up coming out of it. Um, but it wouldn't have happened if I wasn't, didn't just let myself cry. So I would tell somebody... If, if you experience the suicide of a loved one, just cry. Be vulnerable and just go for it. Embrace the grief. Embrace the grief. Yeah. I think it's important, too, because it's like grief is such a personal thing. You know, like we said earlier, there's no, there's no timeline for it. There's no recipe for it. It's just, it is what it is. And you're going to grieve in a different way. But just to have all those things normalized for you yeah. and how comforting that was for you but I also love that you said like you had to be vulnerable and cry with your kids and because I think people do say now you got to be strong for your kids but I think it's so important for kids to see that you're hurting too yeah. like yeah this sucks like this is not a good this is not a normal situation yeah. I'm not going to be happy-go-lucky because this is hard and that I I think makes it easier for the kids to be able to grieve and, and and I agree. I mean, I think the part of not expressing your feelings, especially for a man, mm -hmm. um, you know, now I will cry at whatever. 
I mean, I have no shame, and there's no shame to be had. Uh, but I will cry. Something on TV, the success of my children, just watching my children, mm-hmm. you know, or just because of a memory, it, you know, I'll, I'll cry. Um, and I'm okay with it. Um, cool. You know, I think, you know, a lot of times, unfortunately, you know, we raise our kids, especially our young boys, not to do that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so with my little boy, you know, now he's 14, almost 15. Um, I, I tell him it's okay. He sees me cry. You know, I get on his case for something and, Dad, are you cry? Yeah, I'm crying. Why? Because I'm worried about you. So he, here he sees Dad and he sees Dad crying when he's getting on his case because he's worried. You know, and I want my kid to see that. Yeah. You know, so. Um, and that's so powerful too. Yeah. Just to be, be able to show him, okay, this is raw. This is real. This is vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, that about does it for us tonight, but I do want to just put this out there. If any of you are um, dealing with suicidal thoughts, um, there is help available. Uh, Online support groups, um, individual therapy, group therapies, I mean, there's lots of stuff you can do. Uh, It doesn't have to end. And we, the number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Uh, for those of you who are dealing with a loss of a loved one by suicide, there are resources. Definitely take this time to really search those out and make sure you have the support you need because you do need to embrace the grief. Um, I'd just like to thank my guests Felix, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to have me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and Jenny, thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Thank you. Um, we just like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Uh, check out our podcast on the website, emilyknewbold.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Mental Health Moment, or on the gram, um, Mental Health Moment. And we also like to thank Jonathan Colton for the music. Thank you. Bye. Fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think about I felt that day when I felt the way that I do right now. Right now, I feel fantastic, and I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think about I felt that day when I felt the way that I do right now. Right now, right now.